We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And we are one week closer to what I've always referred to as the beginning of the NFL season, which to me has always been training camp. I loved packing up my things. I live in Fresno. Most of you guys know that. Packing up my things, heading to Santa Clara for a couple weeks to be there every day for training camp. One of my favorite times of year. Hopefully, I'm doing that again this year. A little murky. We got a new head coach uh, at my middle school. We're starting football practice at the same time. I, I may try and balance both of them. We'll see We'll see what it comes down to. I just got to kind of feel it out. It won't be something that I could plan out ahead of time like I've done in the past. So, we'll see. Hopefully, I'm on the sidelines for you guys. That's the goal. That's the goal. But in regards to training camp, the 49ers have announced – their open training camp dates, which are a great time. I, I've, you know, like I said, been there. I've, I've seen what the fans experience. You know, there's autograph opportunities. There's all, hopefully, hopefully they keep the rookie hype machine going where a rookie has to go uh, do something ridiculous in front of the crowd to get everything going. And it's, I, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I believe the tickets are very cheap, $5. And the proceeds are benefiting the 49ers Foundation and their mission to educate and empower Bay Area youth per the 49ers website. So five bucks to go watch the 49ers practice. And the first date is Wednesday, July 27th. And then it's almost every day after that, Wednesday, Thursday. Then we got Saturday the 30th, uh, Monday the 1st, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then it skips to Thursday. These are player day, players' days off. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we got Tuesday and Wednesday again. So it just rolls right along, essentially, almost every day between July 27th and August 10th. Uh, let me see if in this article, yeah, tickets, uh, pre-sale tickets for season ticket members start Thursday, July 14th, and then the standard on sale for everybody, floodgates are open, is July 18th. Both of those are at 12 p.m. in the afternoon. So again, 
July 14th for season ticket holders, July 18th for everybody else, and that's at 12 p.m. So get yourself to training camp. It's a great time. You get to see the uh, the, the Trey Lance hype yourself and make your own damn determinations about his arm fatigue. Which is kind of where we're going to start. Now, we are going to continue our roster breakdown with two position groups today. Today, we've got tight ends and we've got offensive line. But it's two groups that don't necessarily, you can't really elaborate on those groups quite as much. Offensive line would probably beg to differ, I suppose, as you would running backs and wide receivers. In addition, your boy is also looking at the clock, knowing that as soon as possible, I need to get on the road to Anaheim. Me and the Louder Clan are going to Disneyland. So a little bit shorter of a podcast today, but not too short. I'm not skimping on you guys. We're moving right along. Just just know that I woke up early today to record the podcast before I leave. Because I care. There was no way I was going to be able to head out and get on the road and act like I'm having fun in Disneyland, knowing in the back of my head that I had robbed you guys of a, of a podcast this week. It just wasn't an option. So here we are. I have a little bit of allergies, so if a sniff sneaks through, I apologize. I'm going to try and keep those to myself. And obviously, it's kind of kind of early in the morning, so maybe I'm... I, who knows where my brain is at right now? Who knows what I'm capable of? Could be a lot, could be a little. I have no idea. I'm definitely a morning person. I'm never grumpy when I wake up in the morning, but I, I maybe I'm not sharp, you know? Maybe I'm, I'm not what I'm supposed to be. Maybe I'm setting myself up for failure by jumping on right now. I don't care. Let's roll. Let's do this. Okay, first things first. Dominating the offseason storylines. More quarterbacks. Selfish SOBs. Just constantly fighting for headlines. Quarterbacks throughout the NFL. We've got a little bit more Jimmy Garoppolo news. Per the one, the only, Matt Barrows of The Athletic. Funny story about Matt Barrows. Google, what's the name of it? Hold on, come on, don't forget it. Don't forget it now. No, I I can't. I can't tell you the story right now. I'm forgetting the name. There is on my way to Santa Clara. There is an exit, an ominous exit, to a outdoor spa. And at one point, I just looked up the pictures of it for the for the fun of it. And it just looked absolutely terrifying. Something out of a horror movie. If you go there, whatever happens to you is your fault because you should have known on the way there. That type of place. And I'm just totally forgetting the name, which is is so disappointing. But maybe by the end of this podcast, I get it. I mean, if you guys have been listening, you know that I like forget about something. And randomly, while I'm in the middle of talking about you know offensive linemen, I'll just be like, oh yeah, and you know, there's there's no rhyme or reason here. Um, it's in my head. I, I'm almost got it, but I don't want to sit here and waste time while you guys listen to me think, which sounds about like this. So let's keep rolling. All right. Matt Barrows of The Athletic. Great man. Love him. As connected to the 49ers as, as anybody else in, in the area, along with the other Matt. He reported that Jimmy Garoppolo has been throwing for weeks, which is is following the schedule that we were kind of presented with by the 49ers when he initially had that soldier surgery. That's kind of what we were we were always expecting it to be right around now. Late June, late June, early July. That's I mean, Matt Barrows is reporting it and your boy also of like a month ago was on here saying I wouldn't be surprised at all if Jimmy Garoppolo is already throwing. 
Turns out he was. Now that doesn't make me Nostradamus. It doesn't make me special. I wasn't in the loop. I, I just knew it was about that time. And if Jimmy Garoppolo wants to get traded, a video or an in-person visit of him throwing the football is going to be an absolute essential element of that equation. So it benefits Jimmy Garoppolo to get healthy and start throwing as soon as possible. Because nobody wants, I mean, under ideal circumstances, nobody wants a starting quarterback, you know, midway August, late August, when training camp is over, preseason starting, and they've got to learn that system on the fly week to week. They want a starting quarterback now. So at the very least, he's got in the entire training camp program to learn that that playbook. So there's really no, you know, you, you get the you, you see a lot of comments and you get the impression that people think that Jimmy Garoppolo is dragging his feet. The 49ers aren't doing what they need to do. They're dragging their feet. Uh there isn't a lot of interest, which which is still the case, but everything is proceeding how it had to proceed. It's the best way I can put it on the fly. Once Jimmy Garoppolo decided to have that surgery, this is exactly the way it's it's had to go. Teams had to make do with what they had, make other moves, go other directions, or wait it out. And that's what's happened now. The thing that always was always a sticking point for me, okay, that really kind of shed some light for me on Jimmy Garoppolo's true value, what teams truly think of him, was that all interest apparently instantly evaporated when Jimmy Garoppolo had that surgery. Now, it is a surgery on his throwing arm, but from the start, they've always said that that surgery was very, I'm not going to say common, but very, we'll say common for now, but know that I can, that's kind of an asterisk. Common, and it's one that quarterbacks and throwers easily recover from. That was the, 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 the information that was put out from the start. So it was never a surgery where everybody was kind of waiting to wonder what his level of play was going to be when he recovered from it, or at least that's how it was made to believe. So to me, I always felt like, okay, the NFL doesn't think much of Jimmy Garoppolo. They must think that Kyle Shanahan was able to squeeze every ounce of Jimmy Garoppolo out of him. Because to me, if a true starting caliber quarterback Top 15, like we've kind of always, Jimmy Garoppolo kind of danced in towards 15. If if one of those truly became available to any team that needed him, I don't think a shoulder surgery would, would, would ward them off. There would be multiple teams wheel, wheeling, willing to risk that for the sake of a, a genuine starting quarterback. I said genuine again. Apparently it's genuine, but I really like genuine. I guess that's an artist, but I don't know. A legit starting quarterback becomes available. I don't think what was kind of touted as a routine shoulder surgery, or at the very least, one with a very, very positive success rate, would keep you from going after him. And so I don't think that surgery was just the end all of all interest in Jimmy Garoppolo. And if it was, that just tells you what the NFL thinks of Jimmy Garoppolo, because if they thought he was a game changer for them, that that shoulder surgery wouldn't keep them from trading for him or at the very least, you know, having a deal in place to where when they real, you know, when his recovery was in boom. And maybe that's still happening because we're right on that verge of 
him being recovered and throwing the football, but I just never really put as much stock into the, oh, the surgery killed uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value. Well, if, if he was good enough, teams would be like, no, we'll risk it. Especially under, a, a you know, it's not a cheap contract, but there's, what, a, a, re, a real year left? And you roll. And it, it's clear that teams being unwilling to risk that, to me, always kind of tip me off that, well, they think Jimmy Garoppolo's just decent. So we're kind of waiting on that. He's throwing. Albert Breer reported that the 49ers have allowed Jimmy Garoppolo and his camp his agent, Don Yee, to talk to other teams, which is a big deal. It really is. It's essentially saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is, he's going somewhere. And if he doesn't get traded, he's going to get released. If Jimmy Garoppolo is talking to other teams, he's working out elsewhere. His, he's, his time in Santa Clara slash San Francisco is done. It's just a matter of how it happens and when it happens. I mean, that's the most obvious statement made over the last few months. But, you know, if the 49ers have already given him permission to just negotiate contracts with other teams, work on the numbers, uh, you know, obviously pass around video of him throwing to give them a clear view of his status, then it is what it is at this point. You know, and if you've seen uh, the Irishman, you know, you know, it is what it is. So. It's just a matter of time with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just a matter of of that right instance. It's going to be this this weird dance. I, I assume it's going to be this weird dance between is Jimmy Garoppolo willing to accept a little less on a rework contract after he gets traded? And is the team going to pay a little bit more in draft capital to possibly have the 49ers pay a little bit of a contract? Now, the 49ers don't have to do that. They can cut Jimmy Garoppolo and in, as long as he's healthy, incur no part of his salary. So if the 49ers are going to absorb a little bit of Jimmy Garoppolo's contract, and I'm not talking a lot of it, it's going to come at the cost of a higher draft pick than maybe they would have gotten had that part not been involved. So I know a lot of people scoff at the idea of paying any of Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo's salary for him to be on another team. Moneyball, nah, man, I'm not paying you seven million. The Yankees are paying part of your seven million. They're paying seven million dollars for you to play against them. Anyways, one of my absolute favorite sports movies. So I would only scoff at the idea of paying some of Jimmy Garoppolo's salary if the draft pick wasn't great. But if they can make the draft pick a little bit better, and I say great with kind of a, a loose interpretation there then maybe that's part of the equation. So it's there's a delicate dance there between the team that's going to trade for him, the deal that they're going to work out with Jimmy Garoppolo and the pay cut he might take, whether or not the 49ers are willing to pay part of that contract to get a better draft pick. Who knows? But there's still teams out there that make sense. Jeremy Fowler said the Seahawks have done their homework, which is not as big a news as it was made out to be because every NFL team has a scouting department dedicated to NFL players, not not rookies, not college players, NFL players, players that have been in the NFL for years, players that may become available, players that were cut that could that they think like could impact have an impact on their team. There is an ins- entire scouting department dedicated towards players already in the NFL. So, of course, the Seahawks have done that need a quarterback that's about to start Drew Luck 
or Geno Smith. Of course, they've done their homework on Jimmy Garoppolo. Every, every team that could even remotely consider a quarterback knows what Jimmy Garoppolo is, knows what they pay for him, knows what he brings to the table. So the Seahawks, having done their homework, is not a big deal to me. But they are among the teams that could surprisingly be a part of a Jimmy Garoppolo deal. You've got the Seahawks. You've got the Texans, which I believe Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk reported that that's his his guess for where Jimmy Garoppolo ends up being traded to. Nick Casario, their GM, former Patriots personnel man, very much a part of Jimmy Garoppolo's career. And then you've got the Browns, who are about to find out within the next couple weeks per reports of what Deshaun Watson's punishment via the NFL will be. And they could be, it sounds like, based on what everybody said, that they're going to be without Watson at least this year. But we have no idea. So we'll wait on that. But So, I mean, between Seahawks, Texans, Browns, maybe somebody else with an injured quarterback or that doesn't like their quarterback situation pops into the picture. There's still a market there for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just a slowly developing one, and it could be one that evaporates at the drop of a hat, you know, like the rest of his market. So still an interesting dance there between Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. But it's it's the... It's not over yet. Uh, I would still say an outright release and just moving on to Trey Lance is still the most likely avenue, but it it there's still other things to consider there. We're not we're not there yet, you know. It's it's interesting at this point. It's interesting. But one thing's clear, the 49ers are are moving forward with Trey Lance, but all, uh, apparently they've got arm fatigue to worry about. I mean, we've talked about this already. But it just keeps going. Mike Silver, who I immensely respect, who now he who did he start? I'm gonna I'm gonna give Mike Silver his proper dues here. Who loves to have it out on Twitter? The Volume Sports, okay, because he was at Yahoo for a long time. He spent a lot of time at NFL Network. Got it. So. Mike Silver was was on I, we talked about this too with Colin Cowherd talking the arm fatigue thing and along comes a post from one 49ers receiver Brandon Ayuk who posted a video of Trey Lance and Brandon Ayuk throwing routes together and it looked good I mean obviously it was only like three or four throws and and Brandon Ayuk made sure to post in his caption for the IG post that they only got those few throws in, and then Trey Lance's arm was tired after that. And then here comes Juice laughing about the caption, Kittle laughing, posting some laughing, clapping emojis. So it's clear the players are having fun with the idea that Trey Lance's arm is a noodle and can only handle one practice at a time, needs a couple days off, and then gets to go again. So uh, I'm not going to say that the, the, the arm strength stuff is nothing. I think it's been talked about by enough people to maybe warrant some type of consideration that there's somebody behind that red tape that has said like, Oh, we're working with Trey Lance's arm, you know, trying to tweak his release has, has caused a little bit of soreness and, you know, whatever, but it sure as hell is not going to be the problem that it's almost being made out to be. I feel like once training camp starts, 
at the very latest, once the preseason starts, no one's going to give a shit about Trey Lance's arm fitness. We're not going to see balls just floating through the, the, the sky that Trey Lance has had to throw at a ridiculous angle because he just has no more arm strength. It's not going to be a thing. But we'll see. We'll see. I know that Matt Mayoko, NBC Sports Bay Area, has kind of said, well, I mean, they're they're looking at it. Matt Barrows kind of mentioned it on the uh, Candlestick Chronicles podcast. You know, well, they're kind of just being careful with it. So it's it's not being shunned by the local media, which should, in terms of local media, the guys you just mentioned. It's just, I don't think it's what it's being. We've watched the national NFL media basically find anything and everything they could to disparage, talk about, question Trey Lance. And this just seems like another on a long list. And I'm just really not ready to honor it as, as a serious problem. We got to mention it. Otherwise, it just seems like we're not paying attention. We're not reading the room. We're just kind of glossing over stuff, which is not what we're doing. But I'm just not prepared to accept it as like a real thing. It's just can't it's arm fatigue when's the last time when's the last time or have you ever heard anybody talk about arm fatigue when it came to a quarterback in the nfl let alone a new quarterback getting ready to make his first getting ready to wade into his first full season as the guy it just seems silly as hell like what are we doing but anyways we're here and we're talking about it buying right into it it is what it is so Position breakdowns. Now, this is going to be a little bit quicker. One, because one of the groups is tight end, which is relative. There, there isn't a lot to glean from that group. And then you've got offensive line, which there is quite a bit going on there. But offensive got line guys that can talk that position are few and far between. And and I'm definitely not one of them. You know, but there is definitely some some details to be had there. But Let's hit both of these position groups. I've got my 49ers rosters in front of me. I want to make sure we we get all of our ducks in a row. Now, remember, we're breaking down the roster and kind of like the outlook of each position, the players in it, anybody that may be stepping up and becoming a bigger, bigger part of the offense. We're just kind of taking an outside view of these groups to include the players within them so that when we get into training camp, I want it to be obvious to myself and to you guys when a player is gaining ground among their position and when a player that maybe wasn't expected to be a factor has started to earn some reps, has started to get some reps with the you know second team, with the first team, that sort of thing. My goal is just to kind of put us all in a better place so that as these training camp storylines start to emerge, you're like, oh shit, we talked about him. We're, we know, you know, so... We're in tight end. And with tight end, I mean, come on. It's the George Kittle show. And there's nobody behind him that really seems primed for, like, a big impact. I mean, I I thought tight end might be a position they went with in the draft. It wasn't, at least not in a a major manner. They they brought in some free agent tight ends. But it's – you know, it's the George Kittle show, and that's it. Behind George Kittle, you've got Ross Dwelly. Then you've got Charlie Warner, you know, the, a, a, a third-year tight end. Jordan Matthews, a former receiver, trying to make his way as a tight end. Tyler Croft, former Bengals tight end. 
Tanner Hudson, Troy Fumagalli, I believe is how you say his name. So there's there's not a lot going on there, guys. It really is George Kittle and then maybe Ross Dwelling. I mean, Ross Dwelling's been with the team for a while. Maybe he starts to see more, but the 49ers have plenty of pass catchers, and there's not really a ton of room for another tight end to emerge as like a go-to guy. Now, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But the big thing here is with George Kittle, he could be in for, for one of the bigger seasons of his career. Now, we all know his 2018 season where he grabbed the, the tight end record, 88 catches, 1,377 yards, 15.6 yards a catch, five touchdowns. Unbelievable year for George Kittle. And it would not, and he followed that up with another thousand yard season. Last year, he had 71 catches for 910 yards and six touchdowns. He's he's every bit as good as he's ever been. And we all know that a huge part of George Kittle's game is his blocking game. But a new tight end, a young tight end, essentially a, a rookie plus quarterback. I kept saying tight end. I meant quarterback. Has entered the fold and a a veteran tight end is a young quarterback's best friend. I mean, you just got to think of the routes a tight end runs. They're closer to the line of scrimmage. They're not moving quite as fast. They're big targets. And George Kittle's, obviously, if I was a quarterback, I'd want to throw to George Kittle just as much as anybody else, just as much as Debo Samuel, just as much as Brandon Ayuk. George Kittle is that good. And again, he's a tight end. And he's a he's a, a young quarterback-friendly player. So. I expect George Kittle to have a pretty big connection with Trey Lance. I wouldn't say that 2022 would be George Kittle's best season because, again, we've got Juwan Jennings, who's emerging as a legit target and also a big target. Brandon Ayuk, I'm expecting a huge season out of. And Debo Samuel, while his status right now is in question, everybody kind of tepidly assumes that they're going to work that out. They're going to fix that. So there's plenty of targets to go, or, you know, there's plenty of targets for Lance. But again, Kittle's that big dude in the middle that's just as capable as any of these other guys after the catch. And um, I expect him to have a big year. Now, again, behind him, there's not a lot of stuff that I feel like intrigued by. We We kind of know what Ross Dwelly is. You know, his best season was in 2020, and that only involved 19 catches for 245 yards and a score. It doesn't seem like there's any huge opportunity being opened up for Dwelly and, or anybody else behind him. You've got Charlie Warner, who, you know, made some plays in the preseason with Lance, and you're like, well, maybe they get something going. I don't know. But even, I mean, he's only managed his best year was last year, and that's five catches for 52 yards. So I just, as boring as it is, I just don't expect a lot from this group. You know, you've got Tyler Croft, who's a, a, a true veteran guy. I want to say six, seven years in the NFL. His best season was all the way back in 17, 42 catches for 400 yards and seven touchdowns. You know, he scored three touchdowns uh, for Buffalo in 2020. There's just not a lot going on back there behind George Kittle and Ross Dwelly. I mean, it's just a really stagnant group. It's a, a you know, I, I want to say it's an unimpressive group, but at the same time, you're talking about 
a group that's led by George Kittle. So it's a great group. And as long as George Kittle stays healthy, hold on, wait for it. There's your knock on the wood. Did the Ford, nobody's going to care what the state of the 49ers tight end group is because George Kittle's in the front. But just to, you know, I expected, I kind of assumed the 49ers would make some type of, in, in you know, I guess a, a draft investment in this group, somebody to kind of bring up behind Kittle. And that didn't happen. If anything, they kind of added a couple veterans in Tyler Croft and to just kind of supplement the group and maybe be a, a, another part of that, you know, them that had just had some experience can get out there and, and do what they want them to do. But just to, uh, again, it's, it's the George Kittle show and everybody else is just along for the ride. Now, moving on to the offensive line. Now you've got yourself a little bit of, a little bit of intrigue. Now uh, to set this up in the most dramatic way possible. The, the the entire 49ers season hinges on this group. It, uh, it always starts up in the trenches. We know that the 49ers defensive line is completely stacked, but the offensive line, I'm not going to say it's not stacked. It's not stacked. I will say that. But it's, it's, it's just a group that we have no idea. We don't even know who's going to play where. We have a, a, a good idea. We have no idea. Good idea. Make, make up your mind louder. But we just have no idea what they're capable of and how good they're going to be. There was there's so much attrition at this group and so many new players stepping into new position. It's I just do not know what to expect from this offensive line. But I know that my gut tells me not good. And you all know that I'm not a negative person. But this is going to be the 49ers are rolling the dice in the worst way with this group. Now, starting it out, you've got somebody that you know is not an issue whatsoever. Is Trent Williams. He's the absolute anchor of the offensive line. He's a top 10 player in the NFL. He's the first offensive lineman in Madden to get a 99. That, that I mean, that's Trent Williams. The moment he steps up to the podium, you look at him, you're like, holy shit, like this is a real person. That's Trent Williams. And we you don't need to... There's nothing I can say about Trent Williams that you guys don't already know. Kudos to John Lynch for making that trade a few years back because, I mean, damn. Like, you just come up on the best offensive lineman, arguably, in the NFL. I'm not even sure if that's an argument anymore. But anyways, so we've got Trent Williams. Thank God we got Trent Williams, especially at left tackle because Lance would be running for his life without him. And then next to him... You have the favorite, which is Aaron Banks. Second-year player out of Notre Dame. Somebody who we kind of expected as a rookie to compete at right guard with Daniel Brunskill next to Alex Mack, next to Mike McGlinchey. But he never saw the field. He did. I believe he got like a 0.0 grade from pro football focus during the preseason. And and then he uh, sustained an injury and... We never saw him again. And Trent Williams made some comments like Aaron Banks needed to undergo a little bit of a body transformation, which I we haven't really heard much more on that. It was just kind of something he slipped in. I don't know if it was muscular, if it was weight loss. 
But now we're at a point where Aaron Gar- Aaron Banks is expected to step in at left guard in his second year as the NFL. And we have no idea what to expect. Absolutely no idea. Hope for the best. Now, when a team takes a second-round offensive lineman, it is perfectly fair to hope for the best. That's, I mean, you, you're, you're assuming the team is taking a talented player capable of making an immediate impact. It is what it is. So we'll see. I mean, that is the first link in the chain that we have no idea how strong that chain is. Once we get past Trent Williams, we have no idea what's coming. We've got Aaron Banks, who is expected to step in at left guard. Then we've got some type of weird veteran conundrum competition at center where through the offseason program, it was veteran Jake Brendel, who we have no idea. Is he really going to be the guy there? Does the team trust him? He hasn't been particularly good in the past. So I mean that that's where that's where we are with that group. I mean we've already we've gone two spots and we just are already lost. We have no idea what's happening. We don't know what it's going to look like. Jake, Jake Brendel's a six-year veteran out of UCLA, and and again, I mean you can't. It's it's I'm not an offensive guy line guy. I can't go look at Jake Brendel's stats and and know any kind of, sort of an impact that he had. But at the very least, you've got a veteran center in front of a very young quarterback, which is almost an essential element of this. Whoever they put at center has to be somebody that's going to be able to guide Trey Lance through the season. And especially in Kyle Shanahan's offense, where the onus is put on the center to make a lot of the adjustment calls based on what the defense is showing. The center is an absolutely essential element. And right now they've got 299-pound Jake Brendel at that spot. Now, is he guaranteed to be at that spot? We'll see. But but he's the favorite right now. So we've gone from Trent Trent Williams, the one you know, the absolute pillar of NFL offensive linemen to Aaron Bakes and Jake Brendel. Now, again, I'm not I don't want to paint a grim picture that this group's going to suck. Aaron Banks could be very good. Playing next to Trent Williams is an absolute plus. But he's young and for some reason couldn't even sniff the field as a rookie. Now, I I get it in a sense because, I mean, last year's offensive line, you had Trent Williams, Lakin Tomlinson, who got a huge contract, uh, Alex Mack, who retired but was solid. And then you had Daniel Brunskill, who was solid at right guard, who established himself as a solid offensive lineman. And then you had Mike McGlinchey, a former first-round pick. So last year's offensive line was solid to say the least, this year is a massive question mark. And then at right guard, you've got Daniel Brunskill, who I'm not going to say is a question mark. We've seen that. We've He's been there. For some reason, handles Aaron Donald very well, which in and of itself makes like gives him his worth. But last year was definitely the weak link of that group. Now, at all of a sudden, he's one of the guys that they're kind of leaning on. You know, you've got him at right guard. Is he going to compete at center along with Jake Brendel? We'll see. The 49ers have some depth there, some other offensive linemen that could make a charge to to start. And that could influence where the 49ers go with Brunskill. Brunskill's got some versatility. 
he could be somebody that the 49ers are really leaning on to plug in where they need him. So, but as of right now, Daniel Brunskill's the favorite at right guard. Right, 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 right guard. Now, recap: left, left tackle Trent Williams, left guard expected to be Aaron Banks. Center currently Jake Brendel. Right guard currently Daniel Brunskill. And then we come to right tackle, which is occupied by Mike McGlinchey, who is coming off a major, major leg injury, torn quad. Biggest muscle on your body. You know, that is that is a serious injury that takes you out of the game for a while. You know, that that sort of... Now, there was a lot to be made during the offseason about a picture where Mike McGlinchey looks super skinny. How can this guy play tackle in the NFL? All reports since he's been back with the team is that he looks like an offensive lineman. He looks like Mike McGlinchey. He looks ready to go. He's sprinting. He's moving. He looks good to go. But Mike McGlinchey at his healthiest was never really, he was good. We'll go with that. Great run blocking tackle. Questionable in pass protection. We'll see where this injury and his recovery from it put him. Okay, And what's unfortunate here is even somebody that's been with the 49ers for their fifth year, going on their fifth year, is still a question mark along this offensive line. Because of that injury and where you're going to, I'm not just going to assume that a player is going to perfectly recover from an injury that serious. That's a little frivolous. So it's an interesting group, you know, and I, I think that you guys are probably starting to, as eloquent as I have not put it, you guys are probably starting to pick up on the, I have no idea what this group's going to look like and how they're going to perform that I'm putting down. It's just, I don't know where it's going to go. You know, I don't know what they're going to look like. We're going to hear about it all training camp. But then there's going to be this huge element of, well, this is an offensive line that's going against one of the better defensive lines in the NFL. Are they that bad? Or is the 49ers defensive line just that good? And the answer is probably going to be yes. Maybe a little bit of both. So we'll see, man. But to sum that up, I assume as of right now, the 49ers 2022 offensive line is going to be Trent Williams, Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, Daniel Brunskill, and Mike McGlinchey. There is an, there's some now when I mentioned other players, you've got some names there. One that I one name that I keep hearing is Jalen Moore. Second year player out of Western Michigan. 6'4, 311 pounds, somebody they like a lot. He may be somebody that competes, maybe at left guard with Aaron Banks. Maybe at right guard with Daniel Brunskill. And when someone, I would say, competes with Daniel Brunskill for his spot at right guard, that's not going to be easy. Daniel Brunskill's been there for multiple seasons. The 49ers can rely on him there. But the 49ers have a question mark at center. If Daniel Brunskill becomes the 49ers' best option at center, then maybe Jalen Moore steps in at that right guard spot. Jalen Moore can play all over the line, or he has. So, and that is just a name that I keep hearing that the 49ers may have high expectations for. And that changes things. If he can present himself as a viable option in the offensive line, then maybe that bumps the 49ers up a little bit. As in, you know, you're, you remove Jake Brendel from the equation, you take down the Brunskill center, you move Jalen Moore to right guard. You know, maybe you're getting somewhere. I, I just don't know. It's so hard to, to get a, like a solid feel on it. 
you know, you've got some intriguing rookies like Jason Poe, Donovan West, both undrafted free agent guys that I heard a lot about before the end of the draft. You know, when you hear a lot about undrafted free agents and when they could be drafted, but they did, but they went undrafted, but you've already heard about them, then you know they're in a pretty intriguing player. And the 49ers were in a position with the last pick in the draft to kind of gauge who they wanted to pull the trigger on right out the gate. Now they went with the quarterback Purdy, but Donovan West and Jason Poe were a couple of the first signees that we heard about. You've also got Spencer Buford, who they drafted in the fourth round. That's another person that could make his way in here. 6'4", 305 pounds, Texas San Antonio, guard, tackle, versatility. Maybe he's, I I mentioned Jalen Moore, but maybe Spencer Buford comes out firing. He's somebody they took in the fourth round. It's not outside of the equation that he works his way into that competition. At the very least, gives the 49ers that they somebody that they can plug in should, you know, the wheels fall off Jake Brindle, you know, or somebody gets hurt. Again, knocking on wood. I hate talking about possible injuries. You know, then you've also got back there, you've got Justin School, Colton McKivitz. That's good depth. It's competition. Those are players that have started legit NFL games. So I I, I don't I don't want to act like the 49ers have nothing there. That's an insult to the group. They're NFL offensive linemen, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to compete well against NFL defensive linemen. But there's definitely some talent there. There's some competition. There's some possibilities to put together a respectable offensive line. We just have no idea what it's going to look like. We have no idea who's going to emerge as the favorite. And, you know, is it what it what I expect it to be? Even if it is the group that I've kind of reiterated to you guys, is that group going to be good? Or is another one of these young offensive linemen going to step up into the fold? It is a storyline to say the least. Probably the one that I'm going to be paying the as as not sexy as offensive line is. Probably the storyline that I'm going to be paying the most attention to throughout all of training camp, along with Trey Lance, is what is that offensive line doing? Are they capable of blocking a defensive lineman group in the caliber of the 49ers? And what is the makeup? Are they switching guys in and out? Are they moving guys around? Are they plugging guys in? Are guys getting first-team reps? That's what I'm going to be looking at, is that offensive line group. Because I truly believe that the 49ers season hinges on this group. No pressure, guys, but you're the offensive line protecting the 49ers franchise quarterback, hopeful, Making his first year as a full start as as first full year as a starter. No pressure, bros. No pressure. All right, guys. It's been forty minutes. I can confidently say that it wouldn't even consider this a short pod. Now I consider it par for the course. Now, so I'm glad I was able to put this together. If it didn't sound as as eloquent, I know I'm eloquent, or as well thought out as they normally are. I'm just I'm rushing, trying to get out the door. Go to Disneyland, have some fun, get my ass to the happiest place on earth and just be happy, damn it. I'm just kidding. I'm not miserable. I'm just looking forward to it. But as always, as always, I appreciate everybody listening right now. Thank you for turning. Mercy Springs. I did it. It's called Mercy Springs. Google it right now. Mercy Springs. 
Mercy Hot Springs. I I told you guys I'd do it. I told you guys I would be in the middle of saying something else. And then all of a sudden I would emerge with the answer. Mercy Springs. Look it up. Tell me that doesn't look like, at least some of the pictures, doesn't look like a place where the next Texas Chainsaw Massacre would be filmed, except it would be in California, right off the I-5, right in the, and, and where Louder makes his drive to Levi's Stadium every time. Matt Barrows knows Mercy Springs. He's been there, apparently, not trying to indict Matt Barrows at all. He, he has no affiliation with Mercy Springs or serial killers that I'm aware of. But he said he's been there because they, during a certain type of year, a certain type of owl can be found there. And people go there to photograph these owls. Mercy Hot Springs. Check it out. There's some incriminating and scary pictures. But that's become kind of an inside joke between Matt Barrows and I. Hey, have you been to Mercy Springs lately? How's the water? How's the, uh, you know, how's the chainsaws? Anyways. I told you guys it would be random. I told you I'd be in the middle of talking something else. In this case, it was thanking you guys for listening to Striking Gold. And all of a sudden, bam, Mercy Springs comes flying into my head. Okay, I've got to go. I've got to pack. I've got to get on the road. We're going to Ikea on the way to Disneyland. Can't wait. Sarcasm. Hate Ikea. But we're doing it. Love is love. All right. I know why I threw that in there. The girlfriend wants to go to Ikea, so I have to. So that's love. Anyways. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. I appreciate it. You guys are the best. You're the MVPs. You're the reason this podcast exists. Thank you for all your positive reviews. If you want to support the pod, jump on wherever you're listening to the podcast. Leave a positive review. Tell everyone in the world how much you love Striking Gold and listening to Rob Lauder and a soon-to-be new co-host. We'll see. And that's that's it make sure you're downloading listening subscribing all that stuff that everybody says over and over uh subscribe to my youtube channel click the you know like the video comment below click the bell notification to be all you know what i mean you hear it all the time it's the same shit podcasts too just a little different love you guys thank you for listening to striking gold um we'll be back here next week with continuing to break down the 49ers roster but we're moving on to defense we're moving timing's great everything's perfect let's roll but for another week this is Striking Gold, and I'm Rob Lauder. We are signing out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.